Ciao amici. Welcome to Cinema Italiano, the podcast dedicated to the Italian experience as told by film. Today, we'll be talking about Mario Monicelli's 1960 film, Risata di Gioia, or The Passionate Thief. A quick news update that's actually very relevant to today's film is that a new partnership has been announced for RICOM to distribute the library of Titanus Studios films. Variety reports that this includes over 150 movies that are already restored and available in high definition. The article in particular mentions two, Francesco Rosi's I Maliari and Valerio Zurlini's Girl with a Suitcase. The film that we'll be talking about today, The Passionate Thief, has been distributed by Rai as part of this partnership. As a little context, Rai is like the national public broadcasting service for Italy, almost like the BBC of Italy. Um, so often you'll see a lot of Italian contemporary films will include Rai as a contributing partner or distributor for it. And then Titanus Studios is no longer around in terms of producing films, but they would have been a contemporary of Cinecittà back in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Some other noteworthy Titanus Studios films you might have heard of include Rocco and His Brothers by Visconti, Il Posto by Almano Olmi, The Leopard by Visconti, um, so overall, this is big news. The films from a major studio during this era has announced new restorations. They have a distributor. So hopefully this means even more, even more restorations of some of these big titles coming up ahead. And now as a brief intro for today's film, The Passionate Thief, um, it's directed by Mario Monicelli, who first came to prominence through his film starring the comedic actor Toro, who's one of the leads of today's film. Monicelli's films helped define the Commedia Italiana, including one of his best-known works, Isiloti Ignoti, or Big Deal on Madonna Street. He's probably best known for his films during this era, the 1950s and the 1960s, but he continued to work up until his passing in 2010. Um, and I admit this podcast often leans very auteur director-centric, but I would be remiss not to give an introduction to the lead actors as well. One of the leads, Toto, who collaborated with Monicelli for many years, was a comedian who had started from humble beginnings to become one of Italian cinema's biggest stars. He had had his start performing comedy in vaudevillian acts called Avant Spettacolo and came to act in nearly 100 films across his 30-year filmmaking career. His lead co-star, Anna Magnani, is also an icon of Italian cinema in her own right. She's probably best known for her heartbreaking role in Rome Open City, arguably the film that started Italian neorealism, as well as her lead role in Pasolini's Mamma Roma. Her performance in The Passionate Thief is somewhat striking, given she's an actress who's best known for these deeply felt, emotionally powerful dramas, but she gives a, a pretty hilarious performance alongside a comedic legend like Toto. And then the film's third lead, Ben Gazzara, was an American actor of Italian descent. This film had come early in his career as only his third feature, but he would go on to noteworthy collaborations with John Cassavetes and continue to act for the rest of his life. Um, despite his Italian upbringing, from the film, it looks like he's speaking in English with Italian dub over. 
The Passionate Thief is a perfect movie for this time of year, as the action is mostly set on New Year's Eve and the morning after. Anna Magnani's character, Gioia Fabricotti, also called Tortorella, is an extra acting at Chinachita Studios. She's invited to a New Year's party by a friend who works in costuming. She doesn't know that she's invited only so the party can be a group of 14 rather than 13, which would be bad luck. Toto plays Umberto, a longtime friend and former romantic interest of Gioia. He knows her from also working at Chinachita, but he's grown to become a petty criminal, making ends meet through accident fraud and making false insurance claims. He's been selected for a job alongside Lelo, played by Gen Gazzara, to be his wingman to pickpocket the rich and powerful throughout the night's New Year's Eve festivities. The film follows this trio as their paths overlap, split, and collide throughout the night. The film opens on New Year's Eve in contemporary 1960s Rome. Amid the nightlife and activity buzzing around, a man on a bike goes outside an apartment building and calls for his colleague, Alfredo, to come to work with him. Alfredo is a subway driver and has to work when the clock turns midnight on New Year's. His wife assures him that they won't do anything till he gets back, and they'll wait to ring in the New Year with him. The moment he's gone, though, his wife instructs the kids to call the rest of the family, they set the dinner table, they pull out games to play. They're ready to start New Year's with or without their husband. This humorous slice of life sets the stage for what we'll come to see throughout the film. Lighthearted deception that's never cruel, but something that the characters do to make the most of their night, get the best chances for themselves, and do what they feel they need to going into the new year. We next meet Ana Magnani's character, Tortorella, an extra who works at Chinachita. There's an epic Roman Empire era film in production, we see a scene with a large crowd, and Tortorella, even as an extra, gets a big line, proclaiming, a miracle, a miracle. For those familiar with Magnani's career, this little moment might stand out. In the 1940s, she was in a film by Rossellini called L'Amore, featuring in a segment called Il Miracolo, The Miracle, where she again proclaims a miracle, believing that she's been blessed by God with a baby. Production wraps up for the day, and a friend who works in costuming invites Tortorella to come join her party for New Year's. They agree to meet at Piazza Cedra in Roma, which is today known as the Piazza della Repubblica, which you might recognize as an iconic circular piazza in Roma. Next we move to Lello, played by Ben Gazzara, with a group of men getting their shoes shined. We learn he's looking for a wingman to pickpocket with. He says he always needs a partner so he can pick up the goods he's stealing without keeping them on his person. He tucks them aside in a potted plant or even in a toilet. One of the other men suggests Umberto, another extra from Chinachita. Next we move along to Umberto, as played by Toto. He calls Tortorella, inviting her to spend New Year's with him, but she declines as she's already received her invitation. From their phone call, we gather that they've spent New Year's Eve's past together, and it's implied that they have a romantic history. Umberto then meets up with Lelo for their night of pickpocketing, where they run into Tortorella, 
who has been abandoned by the friends who had invited her earlier. She clings on to Umberto, assuming he doesn't have any plans for New Year's, until seeing the younger, handsome Lelo making eyes at her, and the rest of the night continues with this push-pull in different directions as Lelo tries to lure in Tortorella, who's infatuated by him, while Umberto gently tries to stop her from getting involved with who he knows to be a criminal. Throughout the night, they have multiple run-ins with a wealthy American, played by Fred Clark, who you might recognize as Sheldrake from Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard. His sloppy attempts at Italian blends with Spanish until he gives up and just speaks English, and he even projects his own Cinema Italiano-inspired fantasies on the real Roman that he's with. When he's first introduced, he throws a coin into the fountain at the Piazza della Repubblica, thinking that it's the Trevi Fountain, where if you throw a coin into it, it brings you good luck that you'll return to Rome. Then, when they do get to the real Trevi Fountain, he can't wait to dive on in, just like in Federico Fellini's La Dolce Vita. Running through their mishaps, we also get generational differences bubble up. Umberto seems like the oldest of the bunch. The actor Toto was over 60 years old at the time, paired up with a middle-aged Tortorella, Magnani in her early 50s, then with the young man Lelo, Ben Gazzara was about 30 at the time. Their generational perspectives especially come to the forefront as the night takes them into a palazzo filled with German nobility and elite. Umberto, someone who definitely would have remembered World War II, is very cagey and distrustful of the Germans. Lelo, who would have been a child at the time, seems indifferent about the politics and is more interested about in what goods he can steal. Meanwhile, Tortorella is complacent and just kind of goes along with the ride. While they're at the German's palazzo, the stolen goods are found, they've been caught red-handed, and they're kicked out. In the early morning New Year's Day hours, they wander the streets slowly, defeated and in pretty angry spirits. It starts to rain and they duck into the nearest church. Despite everything they've been through, Tortorella is still defensive of Lelo, claiming that life's circumstances are what made him a thief and that he's not a bad person. She spots him praying at the church, using that as proof of that he's a good person deep down. She approaches him in the chapel to, to speak with him and finds that he's stolen a necklace from a Madonna figure. She realizes that he is a criminal deep down and begs him to return it. He throws the necklace at her and leaves. Now the parishioners and the priests see Tortorella apparently with a stolen necklace. Trapped, Tortorella improvises and declares it was a miracle, calling back to the scene earlier in the film where she's shooting a film at Chinachita. She claims in the miracle the Madonna handed her this necklace. Umberto now catches up with her, backing her up, claiming to be a witness to that same miracle. It must not have worked, though, because now we're eight months later. It's summertime and Ferragosto vacation. Tortorella is released from jail in the same dress and fur she was wearing on New Year's, but Umberto is here to pick her up, even armed with an umbrella to protect her from the summer sun. She seems in decent spirits, with a positive outlook on this new chapter of life. Today is still New Year's to her. They get into a taxi cab, but are thrown out, as neither of them can pay. This sets Tortorella off again, and she storms along the Tevere River, with Umberto trying to keep up and cover her with his umbrella.
Next, I want to speak to some of the recurring themes and motifs that appeared throughout the film. One that struck me pretty early on was the use of mirrors in the staging of scenes. The use of mirrors as reflecting both power dynamics as well as moments of transformation. When the group arrives to the first New Year's party, there's a mirrored column that Umberto is supposed to meet Lelo at, and Umberto and Tortorella are standing there together. Tortorella is facing the mirror, and Umberto has his back to it. They're bickering about him finding them a table so they can sit, and eventually Umberto leaves. So in this initial snippet, Tortorella is the one in power, sort of belittling Umberto, bossing him around to tell him what to do. Then Umberto leaves to go fetch them a table, and Tortorella has her back to the mirror as she watches the room play out. From her perspective, now she sees Lelo, a younger, handsome man, walking by, and we see his reflection in the mirror. She flips back around, facing the mirror, and then we see him pop around on the right-hand side. So we saw his image first in the mirror as a reflection, and now we see the real one. So in that little mini-moment, Tortorella, with her back against the mirror, was sort of under the power of Lelo, the figure facing her in the mirror. We get a sort of repeat of the scene just a few moments later. They finally secured a table, and Tortorella is trying to find Umberto so he can pay for their dinners. Umberto again has his back to the mirror. Tortorella comes after him, asks him to pay, and he finally reveals that he can't, so they have to leave. Once again, Tortorella is in the power position, pushing Umberto to tell him what to do. And the mise-en-scene of being backed against a wall, a mirror in this case, helps heighten that power dynamic. Mirrors also come into play during moments of transformation, in particular for Tortorella. In an early scene in the film, when Tortorella's friend in costuming invites her to go to New Year's, Tortorella continues the conversation while changing out of her costume into her normal, regular clothes, looking in the mirror the whole time, and we see her reflection. When the conversation begins, she had no plans for New Year's, and then by the end, She's not only going to a party with her friend, she's decided she's going to wear a blonde wig, wear a fur, and totally make herself up for the night. So throughout this mini sequence of reflection and seeing herself in the mirror, she's gone from having no plans, spending New Year's alone, to dolling herself up and going out for the night. Another moment of her sort of talking herself through something in the mirror comes later when they're at the palazzo with the Germans. At this point, Lillo has proposed a romantic affair with Tortorella, and though she certainly has made eyes at him, we aren't sure what she's going to do or how she feels about it. We get a brief moment when she's facing a mirror, talking herself through it, and sort of rehearses what her answers to Lillo are going to be. When faced with a decision or a crossroads, Tortorella looks in the mirror to not to confront herself, but to sort of talk herself into something or help herself get through it and make the best rational decision. Another striking work of staging is through the use of split screens, where we'll get a wide plane of perspective where the action in one half will impact what comes next for the whole. A few instances of this that I noticed were when Umberto first gets to the New Year's party, he's staged waiting on the right-hand side, 
And on the left-hand side, we see Tortorella's taxi cab arrive, and then she gets out of the car, speaks to Umberto. As their conversation continues, we see the driver of the taxi, pa- taxi cab get out of his car, smoke a cigarette, wait for their conversation to wrap up, and then once they've finished, he comes up to Umberto to ask him to pay for the cab. Another scene comes once they've left the party Tortorella was supposed to go to in the first place, and they're on their way out. We see Umberto and Lelo having an argument, and in the background, on the left-hand side, we see Tortorella having her own fight with her so-called friends, who don't really seem to care for her company, didn't even notice that she's gone blonde now. And the impact of that fight will lead the group all to move on to their next destination. And then later on from that, when they've just gotten away from the drunk American, Umberto and Lelo grab a spot at a bench in a piazza. In the background, quietly, we see people from a balcony lighting fireworks. This very party, and possibly these very people, are who set off the fireworks, which ignite Tortorella nearly being set on fire, making a scene, and then bringing the guests into the Germans' party. In these moments, the wider perspectives give us this bigger plane of perspective where the action taking place in one of them will kind of push forward the plot forward as these noticeable visual moments that heighten the action of what's coming next. And then in general, these perspective shots between the split screens as well as these sort of mirror moments speak to the sense of motion and movement for the film overall. Three leads, and in particular Tortorella and Umberto, are all individual actors, but they do feel like one greater whole, like a singular singular unit. And though their paths take different routes in a micro sense, we can't make a big narrative jump from one place to the next until they've all caught up with each other. It speaks not only to the narrative rhythm of the story, but also the emotional subtext that Tortorella and Umberto aren't really moving ahead in life if not with each other. Another interesting theme that's visited throughout is artificiality and pretending. Probably the most immediate example is with the pickpockets, Umberto and Lelo, who are pretending to be upper class and and get themselves invited to parties, only to be petty criminals stealing jewelry, pocket watches, cigarette cases. And then, of course, we also have Tortorella, who herself is an actress. It's literally her job that she's paid for, and is again an actress later in the scene at the church, pretending to claim a miracle when, in fact, she's just been thrown a stolen necklace. While the film isn't necessarily condoning lying or deception, the context and circumstances of each character shows that these acts of deception are purely to get by and to make it through. We don't get the sense that these are evil people or with cruel intentions. They're simply trying to survive and get through the night. And then just for a little bit of Italian culture, It was really fun to see the New Year's traditions that are expressed in the film. Um, A couple that I didn't know about were eating lentils, which symbolizes wealth, as an act to do for good luck once it hits midnight. Lentils are first addressed in the scene at the very beginning of the film with Alfredo's family. His wife has made lentils and tells him to bring him with him to work um, so he can eat them once it turns midnight. Later on in the film, when Magnani is trapped on the subway alone, Alfredo offers offers her some of his lentils, so she has something to celebrate the new year with. And then throughout the film, 
Of course, we see people throwing out old pots and pans out the window. That's also supposed to reflect good luck, where you're throwing out the old to then bring in the new. And then, of course, a universal symbol of New Year's is celebrating with fireworks. We see fireworks throughout the film. Fireworks probably play the biggest role when the Germans throw them out their balcony window and accidentally hit Tortorella's character, which then leads to them being invited into their home and all the chaos that ensues from that. I really enjoyed The Passionate Thief. One of the things I'll take away from this film is getting to see Anna Magnani in a comedy. She's someone who's an icon of Italian neorealism for her, for her performance in Rome, Open City, and so it's hard to think of her anything but a great dramatic actress, but it's great to see a role like this where she really leans into her comedy chops, which is not something she's as known for. The Passionate Thief is being made available through Rialto Pictures. It's available to stream through Filmform right now, and it might also come to an art house theater near you. I definitely recommend it. It was a ton of fun to watch. Um, and again, you get to see Anna Magnani playing comedy. What's not to love? As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and until next time, ciao amici.